December 15, 2021. So watch for Pedro's show.
<laughs> Waffle Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Couple weeks left of 2021. We started the show off with John Coltrane. I wish I knew. Then Ignatius tell us he shook me all night long. Can't copyright a title, right? <laughs> and you can tell by that laughing, people, or you can guess maybe that I am not mad alone because of those Estonian soft software engineers with their Skype invention. I got Scott Tellis. Welcome aboard, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, big respect, Lisa Cameron, Chris Cones. For the connect. Yeah. Okay. Very curious about your journey music. You sent me that spiel you just did a couple of days ago for the ST37 uh, release. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I got to learn a little bit, but fucking the listeners, well, maybe some read it, but let's enlighten them too. So just <laughs> a selfish what with the infos. So right. please bring your earliest musical memory, please. Um. Well, you know, I... Uh... My it wasn't it wasn't a hugely musical household that I grew up in, but my earliest uh, musical memory is um, probably just my brother exposing me to things like the Beatles, and um, my uh, parents would play records occasionally. But the music that I initially got into when I was very young was was progressive rock. I started listening to Genesis, King Crimson. My brother had the King Crimson records, so that helped a lot. So I got I'm into prog. Scott, I'm assuming he was an older brother. Yes, my <laughs> brother is actually much older, eleven years older than me. No, this. I've had, you know, a lot of experimental music people on last year, almost 300. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. A lot of them, yeah, but a lot of them come from families where they're the younger, not always, but it's a trippy uh, thing I've noticed, uh, kind of a trend. And uh, maybe there's something to that. I don't know exactly. Was there instruments in this pad you grew no, up No, um, not until I got into um, high school band. I, I wanted to play drums, but mom said no, so I played trumpet instead. So not until I got into high school band were there instruments in the house. Okay, okay. And getting back to the records and shit, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Um, the first, you know, I, I can't, it's, I joined the Columbia House record. Yeah, house. yeah, me too, with 10 <laughs> 8-tracks for a dime. And I got like the Boston album and the Kansas album, Left Overture, I think it was, and uh, like uh, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. I got like 10 albums. That Those are my, my, my right, first. Right, and then they kept sending one a month, and if you don't yeah. send them back, you have to buy them, yeah. Right, That's exactly. Interesting. Econo, in a way, kind of econo. Uh, what about the first gig you saw? Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer at the War Memorial Auditorium in Rochester, New York. And um, uh, they had already ditched the orchestra at this point. And I thought Keith Emerson was actually pretty punk rock. He's like stabbing his organ and masturbating his Moog ribbon controller and, and shit. It was... You know, uh, he would stab <laughs> that. He pl play my buddy, Tony, he's a pool cleaner man. He, uh, we lost him at 50 from apnea, right? Choked to death. Caught. Hmm. But he was way into them. So I saw them and the knife he used a knife's edge. Yeah, yeah. Actually yeah. came from Lemmy when he was a roadie for him. Right, yeah. Yeah. And he was like beaten up on his organ and like Yeah, yeah. stabbing it. Stabbing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember great. I had to see him a few times. I mean they play whole albums, like three albums with yeah. their right. long ones. Uh, yeah. what about choir or marching band at school? You you mentioned something about school. Yeah, I played trumpet in the marching band for a while. Um, and it's really cold playing in the marching band up there in Rochester, New York. So, um, <laughs> I wasn't too enamored of that, never being a football fan or anything, but, um, you know, I did play a little bit in stage band, uh, kept to the trumpet for a while. And then I ended up using it in my high school punk rock band too. You know, I'd rip off a trumpet solo and then hurl the trumpet to the ground in a very punk rock manner. Well, there was a period there in the nineties when ska was happening. So I thought all those 
brass guys at school now can play in the fucking rock bands, right? Right, yeah. Right. But then it was like, man, because, you know, it wasn't just that. It was like outfits. I was like, how these guys tour? Nine guys in the boat within the, the out. <laughs> yeah, all those things. It didn't spangles. last that long. Same with Swing. Right. I remember this cat. It was at a van uh, warp tour, right? And I was sharing the stage with you. And he said, yeah, Mike, when they made the gap bad, it was over. <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to the thing. So uh, you wanted to play drums, though. Moss, yeah, no, yeah. Because where were you going to prac them, right? <laughs> Mom said no. Mom yeah. said no drums now. Fucking bam, bam. <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, but you said you did do the trumpet in rock band. So do you did do the thing. I'm not saying after graduating, but in the afternoon, bedroom band, garage band, basement band. Uh, well, my high school punk band, we just formed kind of uh, on a on a almost like a whim. You know, we'd all seen the Sex Pistols on the weekend TV show. And uh, we heard that uh, a rock against racism show was being put together. And we're like, well, we should we should do this. We should we should form a band and play this this rock against racism festival. That'd be awesome. We should do that because they were looking for bands to play. So uh, with really like no, no musical training whatsoever, me and three friends of mine tried to start a band with, uh, you know, limited results. <laughs> did you end up doing the gig? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, uh, OK, so there's a result. The there's a really result. A, the trumpet was like atonal. I wasn't like playing like actual trumpet parts or anything you know well i mean you know i'd, I'd rip off an atonal solo in the middle of an atonal punk rock song so <laughs> okay so that that sounds like a result mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> okay so in that in your was that your first gig yeah okay uh Miniman did some uh, rock gets racism gigs. yeah yeah great cause r-a-r yeah yeah one of them was in front of the federal building in west mm -hmm. l.a and uh, there's a picture of it in the when you open up Double Nickels on a Dime because news people came with their cameras and they f kind of started filming us. But then they saw a lady with a mohawk, and I guess that blew their minds. <laughs> and so, so, so I used that photo. I think it was an accidental take. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> That's great. Remember in the old days, the, the movement was really weird to people. Some people thought it was destroying young people. Yeah, yeah. Well, this... Uh... This this RAR show was supposed to be on the University of Houston campus, but uh, U of H found out it was being sponsored by the Yippies, the Youth International Party. Sure. So they, they flipped out and they refused to allow the show. So the show had to go on at uh, Rock Island, which was Houston's. Punk oh, I club. remember that, Pat. I'm, I mean, in those days, all my gigs were uh, Tom Bunch did them all, so he had a couple of his own places like the Vatican and uh, right. There was some right. downtown, some world. Center. It was all glass. <laughs> yeah, he was the butthole surfers manager for a that's while, right? right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, before then, we did play for this guy who had a record store. I think his name was Chuck Roast or something like this. Chuck Stage. Yeah, Vinyl Edge in Houston. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but this is what I'm talking about. Houston. You know, Torin gave me quite an education uh, for learning the country, let alone music and stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but sure. physically going to pads, you know, it, it's important. Yeah. It's important. I never, mm -hmm. I never saw it as a hell. Same with D Boone, man. Remember yeah. D Boone's after our first tour, he says, "You know, people pay money for vacations and shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Chuck Rose. Chuck Rose is still at it. Vinyl Edge is still open in Houston. Wow, that, they put on the first Houston Minutemen gig, and it was at That's some awesome. not a regular club. It was some industrial space on the outskirts. You know, somewhere Houston's like SoCal, spread out and everything. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. Uh, that band don't last long? 
What were vast majority, it was called the vast majority. We vast were a majority. Houston punk band. You know, I went to high school in Houston. I didn't move to Austin until college. Okay. Um, so we, the main, I mean, we broke up mainly because me and Billy moved up here to go to college. And uh, then we <laughs> Another switched Houston in. guy, Billy Gibbons. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Billy Mandel, the drummer. Billy Mandel, the drummer of vast okay. majority. We switched instruments. I started learning bass. He started learning guitar. Uh, and then we went on from there. Oh, wow. Bass. Okay. I'm a little curious, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little Naturally. A little prejudiced towards bass. So yeah. what kind did you get? My first bass was a, a music Fender Music Master, a oh, short yeah. scale Fender Music Master. Little guys, yeah. And amp. Yeah. Sorry. Amplifier. Oh, it was a uh, Fender Bassman Compact that I still have. Wow. Well, hey, if it works, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I use it as a practice amp now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Some stuff. Yeah. You know, they build it right. Yeah. My pops said, "Buy it, buy it right, buy it once." Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. So, uh, and, and, and what, now, obviously, the trumpet you got taught in school and shit, but what about for bass? Was it autodidact or your buddy teacher? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, self taught. Me and Billy sat around in our dorm rooms trying to learn how to play punk rock records. You know, oh, you, you were records. Longhorn? Yes. Okay. Actually, people, but, you know, it was a it's government town, a school town before it was a music yeah. town. <laughs> but yeah, the music's a- been there a long time in Austin, very strong. And, really happening for sure. uh so okay so what is the band where you play bass called well Bill, billy and i had some we, we we were started learning and teaching each other but we never did a real band we did some recording um but uh the the, the band that i started in college was called the elegant doormats that was my first band that i actually played bass in that was a real band gary floyd told me about that the austin bands making flyers and shit but they never played or never did wrote a song yeah. or the, yeah. yeah he called them fake band. i think there's a song on that live at raul's fake yeah. bands right and they yeah. were a fake band they because <laughs> they he told me it was like motivation like if you put these fucking flies out you're gonna have to get it together right? yeah fake it until you make it kind of thing you know <laughs> okay okay and tell me about the first gig you and billy did with this uh um well the the, uh the first austin show i had was uh the elegant doormats played at a place called club foot which later changed his name to nightlife um and we just did a um we did a a show with a bunch of other student bands but uh we also got to open for the butthole surfers at club foot uh only a few months later and uh that that was how was that first one was it a success the first one was pretty all right. We played um, with a bunch of other student bands, and everybody only played three or four songs. It was kind of oh, like a yeah. like Tammy, kind of thing almost. Like the Tammy show. Yeah, yeah. Although I think those, like they had one band, like Jamerson was, James Jamerson was a bass player. Like, yeah. And then they, everybody would come up and do a couple tunes. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, even, even uh, I think uh, Billy, Ho- Buddy Holly and that stuff, that's what they were involved in, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of a review thing, and I think Waylon Jennings was the Lubbock guy, right? Bass man. For, right. Gave right. a seat to somebody else, maybe Richie Valens, and saved mm-hmm. his life. Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, you gave me this uh, Bahrain. Yeah. The name of the country, right? Yeah. Trapped in the ice flows. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not Bahrain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen.
Pedro show that Chuck music start off with Beret Trap the Ice Flows then Ava Mendoza from her new uh, solo guitar album New Ghosts I think Devin Hoff wrote this piece for her she had all yeah. these cats write pieces for her to play she's great yeah man you know her huh yeah she's in Brooklyn yeah. these days and, uh, she's yeah. actually from SoCal and kind of uh, the Nels Klein school of go fucking crazy on guitar yeah so yeah, I'm Robbie you. after that with Rough House we lost his brother Robbie Shakespeare, man, what a great player, man. And mm -hmm. Dolly Rott's uh, brand new for this uh, hot holiday thing, huh? One more sleep, and finally, vast majority. This is the first band. So you guys did record Throwdown, yeah. okay? I yeah. didn't know that. I thought it was just that one gig. So you guys did more than that before you left Houston. Oh yeah, yeah. We okay. we we were together about a year and a half, and we we actually even came up and played Austin uh, once. That was our one and only road show. But uh, yeah, we played about ten or eleven shows. What about I think, the material? Were you were you writing? Uh, I was just doing lyrics. That I was just the singer and trumpet player at that okay, point. Okay. So I did, I did lyrics, little in the way of music at that point. Okay. Uh, let's see. So the 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 doormats, elegant doormats. Yeah, yeah. Now, do these guys? Do you take it even further? Do you, uh, you do you play Houston? I mean, do you tour? The Doormats just did regional, just just regional. We played uh, Houston a few times, San Antonio a few times. Um, San Antonio's what, like eighty miles away? <laughs> yeah, hour and a half. Yeah, not much, not much in the way of touring. the The first band that I did any real touring with was uh, SD Thirty Seven. Right after the Doormats broke up. Okay, yeah, we're going to get to that. So. Oh, you mean that, that they happened right away after? Okay. Yeah, the doormat SD thirty seven was half of the doormats and half of Tulum. The, the, we merged. Okay. <laughs> the, the okay. So, what were you? You you were just doing bass and elegant doormats, or what else? Singing, okay. singing tubes. Okay, and so so you were writing more this time, not just words, yes. but also music. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was it trippy writing songs on bass? 
it was fun. Um, it it was fun. It was an outgrowth of learning how to play bass. You know, I learned how to do drones, and uh, you can. It's it, it's singing and playing bass at the same time, as you know, is kind of tricky, kind of difficult. I, I just have to pound it in. You can't even <laughs> think about it because it's so, uh, you know, parallel universe. Yeah. If you try to monitor what's going on, you're going to fuck up. So you just That's keep right. cracking it and cracking it, and you beat it into your muscle memory, I think. It's, yeah. But I t- right. no, uh, the other reason I brought that up, Scott, is because I really believe the future of the bass isn't really more and more strings. I, I think it's going to be more and more a composition tool because it lacks a lot of the harmonic info that the piano and the guitar. So in turn, you leave a lot more openings for your collaborators. Yeah. For sure, yeah. It's a foundation. It's the backbone, you know? Yeah, it is. But usually, when it comes to composing, I found, even Charlie Mingus wrote on the piano. It's the last thing you added, except for, like, reggae bands. Right, right. Well, I I mean, I write on the bass. Yeah, yeah. That's why why you just fucking dropped a quarter in Watt's slot, and he's going off on it. I'm way into that. I'm way, way into that. Yeah. You know, the the history of bass is strange, right? It's... Yeah, and nobody else wanted to play it, so that's how I got it. And, and some of these yeah. guys were great, right? Joe Osborne, uh, Carol Kay. Yeah. But then you had the people that actually were bass players. James, yeah, James started, Jamerson, it, right? And uh, Larry Graham and big influences on me. Uh, yeah. He's a butler, John Entwistle. These guys don't come from guitar. It's not like, I mean, everybody has different paths to get where you are now, but it's just interesting. And, uh, yeah. That, you share that thing. Okay, so. This band falls apart, but not completely. Uh, and the other band, two twos. Uh, it's called Tulum, like Tulum, the uh, Tulum, town Tulum. on the, the Mexican coast. Sure, sure. So, so Tulum kind of falls apart too, and, and so then you guys. Uh, we shared a drummer. Merch. John Foxworth played drums in both bands. Okay. Uh, and we just kind of like uh, Mark Macias, the bass player in Tulum, just didn't really. I don't know. He didn't seem that into it. Basically, we just kind of the guys that weren't that into it fell away, and the guys that were into it kept going. So the wheat we and the chafe, the, the separate the wheat from the chafe. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Not to be cruel about it though, because right. they're probably beautiful guys. But th- uh, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. has different Collins. Right. I've given yes. this example before. Arthur Rimbaud. He wrote poems totally. for only two years. Yeah. And Elvin Jones, right? He's got tanks on the stage. He's playing to his last breath. So, right, you know, yeah. there's different ways to, to do this yeah. thing. And so, uh, where did the name ST37 come from? Well, we got it from uh, the band Chrome. Um, we oh. were huge Chrome fans. Helios. Yes, exactly. The uh, the Alien soundtracks and Half Machine lip moves were uh, Bibles to us. That and uh, uh, Doremi Fasol Latido by Hawkwind and a couple of other records. Those were kind of like our early Bibles in wow. ST37. Yeah, there's definitely a... a, a Hawkwind Connect, I think, with Chrome. Yeah. Mind Bomb. I remember yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Helio's still going. I've, I've played gigs with him and stuff. He's had different kinds of things. I think he's living in SoCal again. Yeah, I love his uh, his solo career. It's brilliant. I love all those records. He's really a wonderful guy. Yeah, yeah. So so a big influence on you, Cats. Huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We played with this band in Denver, uh, the pollution, they're huge into the Hawkwind. Like, they'll do whole sets of Hawkwind songs. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to play with Chrome, uh, even. Um, Did you? Great. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was really wonderful. Great, man. Opening up for him or something? Yeah, we opened for him at Emo's in, uh, I don't know, back in the 90s. I'll tell you another Hawkwind dude, uh, Black Flag, was Dezo. 
so new yeah. all of it. Even the new wave one, the Hawk Lords. Right. What was yeah. that? Psy Power. Remember they had that 45? It's kind of a little poppy Hawkwood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Hawkwind fan, too. I'm, I'm way deep into them, so that's right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. especially when you were saying you were coming from Prague and keyboard rock, and then... Yeah. Yeah, that... Well, you know, at the end of the day, music's music, fuck. So, yeah. uh, what, tell me about the first ST37 gig. Uh, first show ever was at the Cave Club. Uh, opening for my friend Walters, uh, we had a rap metal band called the Deaf MCs, and like uh, <laughs> they actually had did have two uh two black dudes rapping for them. So okay. at least they you know they had that they had that part just completely down. And uh, Walters, a great Houston punk rock metal guitarist, who's sadly passed away now. But they were a real good band. They used to open for Bad Mother Goose. Uh, the, oh, that's know. Tim Kerr after Big yeah, Boys. Tim from the Big Boys, yeah. yeah. So uh, we opened for them, and uh, it started out kind of a disaster as a disaster because my amp quit on me, wouldn't work. And, oh, I um, hate that. And I told the crowd that we were tuning up for too long, and people were like, I, I told the crowd if they didn't like it, they could leave. <laughs> oh, yeah, good show biz move. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't that great, but we recovered. Uh, it was so it ended up. Well, being, you know, a farmer would tell you if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. Yeah, <laughs> you'll bring it, motherfucker. Look, Scott, it's at the end of the first hour, December 15, okay. 2021. Dish Wap Pedro shows special guest Scott Tellis. Hold tight for hour two, <laughs> December 15, 2021. It's the second hour of the Wap for Pedro show.
for Pedro Show. Second hour, start off with Sound Mass. Spiritual Docking. Then brand new from Zone, Zona Infini. Infini? Les, les Accident. Yeah, my French, pardon. Fucking it up. <laughs> Not on purpose. Uh, James Twig Harper and Rubber O Cement with Timpani or Plasti in the Eden of Bronze <coughs> Wax. Band with the titles. And then Guru Freak Out, Snows of Mount Bonnell. So, Scott, you're going to have to enlighten us to these uh, projects because uh, I got enlightened off air, people, but you should. Please. Here, here we go. Uh, so, I, uh, people, I was enlightened to these projects, Sound Mass and Guru Freak Out, but it shouldn't all be wasted on what? Private. So, uh, <laughs> Scott, why don't you be generous and share that knowledge? Uh, in 2006, I joined um, an Austin band called My Education who play uh, instrumental music. Um, I heard them and really liked them and became friends with Brian Purrington, the guitar player, and I've been in the band ever since. Um, and uh, Sound Mass is a collaboration My Education did with a band from Utah called uh, Theta Knot. Uh, we, uh, we knew them on the Internet. We had some time to kill in Salt Lake City. Started jamming with them, and now that uh, that collaboration has released. Uh, well, we recorded three and released two uh, albums together. So that's a really fun, cool thing. A bunch of people, big, big, big band. Two bands from two different states. Yes. And but when you did the collab, you were all together in the same studio, or did you yes. the files? Okay. Yes. Improvisation, collective improvisation. Sure, sure, sure. Fun. Yeah. Wow! Wow! And and who's and it was just because you were hanging around and. Wanted something to do? Well, Theta Not, my education actually plays composed pieces, but Theta Not is an improvisational band. And uh, we started uh, corresponding with Ryan Stanfield, their bass player. And he said, well, you know, we should just all jam together sometime and see what happens. And uh, so we actually did a show at Kilby Court in Salt Lake City where we all played together. And it was super fun. So we, we kept doing it. And then recorded. Okay. And this, yeah. this is the result. And then uh, the other project? Um, Guru Freakout is something I did with Jurgen Engler, who's in Decrups. Uh -huh. Um, I actually played bass on a Decrups record too. Uh, he did a rework of uh, Stahlwerk Symphony, one of their early industrial pieces. Yeah. And I played bass on that. Uh, this is me and Jurgen from Decrups and Mani Neumauer from um, Guru Guru. Whoa. Okay, so I see the connect in the name. Yeah, Kraut Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was that teardrop guy, right, who called it that. Yeah, Ju well, Julian Cope. That's yeah, it. but that me I guess the English journalists started calling it that in the 70s. But, like, he made a book of it or something, right? Yeah, Rock, Rock Sampler. It's a okay, great book. Okay, yeah, but I don't think, like, German musicians really dig that. <laughs> no, they don't, except for Faust. <laughs> except, Faust that's Frank right, that's right. did a song called Kraut Rock. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, there's so I think those two guys are still going. Yeah, and, they are. Yeah, the bass man came to my gig on a Stubitz. It was on a boat there in Hamburg, and John uh, John Hervé Perron, right, yeah, the bass man. And he, he was show with him too. He's, he had he's a, a bunch wonderful. of lanyos. He comes with some Groucho Marx glasses and face, nose, <laughs> eyebrows, and he's throwing lanyos, you know, in the crowd. He rolled up these you know, mota for his because it was his B day, and he went everybody celebrate. This whole East German fish trawler, you know. Play in the hall, and 
Interesting. Yeah, I think they still do a, a <laughs> festival and things. But th their albums were trippy, right? They were whole different worlds. Each one was another world. Okay. Well, from, yep. We had another uh, script there. So, so the bass, you know, you're self-taught and stuff. But here you are collaborating with these cats and just doing it over and over through with gigs and gigs and gigs. Yeah. Yeah. See people. Different, a lot of paths and ways to get to uh, uh, having your relationship with your instrument. That, that's...
Watch for Pedro show that chunk of music. Start off with ST37 over and over again. Oh no! Did it happen again? Yeah, something something's wrong. No, it's go, it's okay. Uh, Helvetia after that, the Skid Eight, Ray Shin under the influence, and finally ST37 with Observing Dust. So we got caught up here. Now, SD37, I know it's an ongoing concern and stuff. In fact, you guys just got a new um, album out, right? But yeah. back then, this version, right, is it, is it the same? Um, well, Joel and I are the only people that have been in the band since 87. Okay, when we so started. it ain't the same. <laughs> right, right. But Lisa's been in the band now since 97, which is a really fucking long time. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. 24 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. So it's and not that, not exactly the same, but, you know. And and, and how did how, how these evolutions come apart? Like, was it like before dudes just drop off, they lose interest? Well, um, the drummer thing, we we, we actually we, we fired our first drummer because he was not I, – I don't think he was really uh, as up to speed musically as the rest of us were. Um, and, uh, then the next drummer, it's been a sequence of drummers until we found Lisa. Uh, and then people move away. Uh, Mark Stone moved away. Uh, people, you know, just get out of music and drift off and, yeah, of you know, you know how it goes. Yeah, of course. But you stayed and who else? Who was the other cat? Joel Crutcher, Joel, um, Joel. the original guitar player. Right, right. Okay. But there must've been something to keep you guys together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've always enjoyed doing it, and we've had years where we've been less active than other years, but we always do something. Right. That's, uh, that's you know. when you get into these other projects. Well, well what, what about this this big, you know, this release and this revival? When that all come up? Um. Well, we've been we've been working on a new album, which is called Ballard S, which has a bunch of songs that are inspired by uh, J.G. Ballard, the science fiction writer. Sure, but um, sure, sure. Uh, championed by V. Vale, big time research. Yeah, yeah. So, um. But during the pandemic, you know, we couldn't really rehearse together like we are we're used to doing. So what we would do is we would do these outdoor sessions where we would socially distance and just jam. And uh, we didn't get to do it very frequently because of everybody's schedules. But so when we did get to do it, it was like kind of like riding a rocket ship or something. We were, you know, like all this pent up frustration from being locked down and stuff kind of released itself. And we did some really great shit to the point where we're like wow we should probably release some of this stuff so we did also they weren't just like demos and stuff these are the actual jams yeah yeah except for one song there's one studio song on there uh the title track over and over again which is joel's song yeah. uh but the rest of it is all improv pretty much and and, and that was kind of the uh mo of st37 right jamming around and well we we, 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 we have songs and then we have improvisational pieces and then we have pieces that have beginnings and ends but have really amorphous middles. You know? No, Ace said that was the secret to live gigs. He said, Mike, yeah. when you're working a room, a song is like a sandwich. 
So if you got two good pieces of bread, which he's talking about the start and finish, right? He said you could have a turd in there, and people won't know. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great way of putting it. But yeah, you, you know, know um, it's very practical. <laughs> we, yeah, right. We always have. Um, there, we always play some song. You know, when we play live, especially, we always play some songs. But there's always room for improvisation, and we ha- we usually play at least one uh, completely improvisational piece um, per set, at least. So. And how do you know? Do you, do you put it in the set list with a, a title that's never been used before or something? Yeah, yeah. Because that's or, what Minutemen would do this. I mean, they these are like 30, 40 second ones, but like Tune for Wind God or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, usually we'll do, yeah, we'll just put Jam on there, you know, if nobody's inspired. But we do have a couple of recyclable names that have like amorphous parts that we could build jams from. Like Grandpa's, one of them's called Grandpa's Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> one of them's called Karen Black's Demerol Patch. <laughs> Karen Black, the actress, right? Yeah. God, there was a band named after her. The Voluptuous Horror of That's Karen right. Black. That's right. You remember that. <laughs> yeah. that. That and the little fucking voodoo doll, right? Yeah. She was in some TV movie with the with the fucking knife chasing her around the place. Right? It was a little like three, four. Yeah, inch... I have a vague memory of that. Yeah. God, that was scary, creepy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so it's not really like sections of a song. They're just whole improv jams. Okay. And, and again, you guys looking at the, uh, the, to say that word again, kraut rock, uh-huh. Jackie, man, what, what a drummer, man. Wow. Yeah. What Amazing. And Manny Neubauer is no slouch either. Oh, I mean, no, no, just, no. Just playing with that guy was a thrill. I mean, I, I I had to, like, pinch myself that I was playing with this dude. I mean, just phenomenal. Absolutely. No, no I think they were awful. looking for their own kind of rock and roll, where England mm-hmm. was copying U.S. blues thing. It was like, we're going to do rock and roll, but try to find our own way. Right. That's yeah. my guess. My guess. Look, we're at the, somehow we made it to the second hour. December <laughs> 15, 2021 edition of Beatles Show. Special guest, Scott Tells. Hold tight for hour three. December 15, 2021, it's third hour of the Watch for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off third hour. My education. Krampus, people. It's Krampus time. And uh, though you are gone, I still often walk with you. The Mount Zion Memorial Orchestra and Tralala Band. Thurston Moore and John Maloney doing Arguing with a Balloon. Thud with Between Us. And then finally, Elegant Dormats. Whoa. Flashback, huh? Eternal Blibe. I remember Blibe. Liam. I think that's his German word for believe or something. Believe. That's a Rocky Erickson word. Well, oh, yeah. Uh, well, in the German. Anagram for Bible. Yeah, yeah. But in uh, in German, you know the I-E and the E-I thing, right? Yeah. Blibe. Yes. Yeah, not Bleeb. So that was a pilot error, but it, it wasn't a German word anyway, because his, <laughs> I think his publishing company was called that. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky uh, had a band. He even had a, a, a band called the Bleib Alien Band. Rocky pronounces it Bleib because it's Bible. Uh, right, it's an anagram, right? But Bleib Alien, I remember seeing this when I got, I got the England one of Evil One, the CBS, yeah. and it had like his head being ripped open, the dog jumping out. And like there was no... There was letters, but what language was that? So I don't even know how you could be. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, huge inspiration. Uh, yeah, I mean, of I know. Houston, too, right? That's where he was. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe you guys did Sweet Honey Pie. Uh, I still I do. Saw, I'm going to do it tonight. Well, I saw footage from Lisa that you guys did that. That's so awesome. You know, me and Lisa are both huge. Rock, I mean, Lisa was in Rocky's band, and yeah. we've been huge Rocky supporters and fans for many, many years. I put a bass on it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, you know, I got to meet him only once. I came off the, it was at the Stooges going to do this uh, Lollapalooza, right? Now, right off the plane. Uh-huh. I got the van guy to take me there. He was on the Game Boy stage of shit. And I got to see the first song, you know, and then as he got done and watched the whole set, he comes down the stairs and he looks me right in the eye and shakes my hand. It's good to see you again. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Said much respect, I think, or something. Like that. It's like good to see you again. All right. Yeah, what Rocky, a guy. Rocky. Yeah, be- beautiful. And I've, t- uh-huh. I've done a few of his his tunes, really. But uh, yeah, yeah, we have to. Uh, some of his, uh, you know, his lyrics. Hank uh, bought him some teeth and then put out that book openers too. And oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big effect no stop on a lot after of us. that. Yeah. And. And he did some good covers too. His ver- version of heroin was really good. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm a big, a big fan of it. And uh, awesome. You you saw a footage of that unhinged? Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to play my best. You know, you to be in a bass man, right? Offender's offender, right? So sometimes you don't want to fly and deal with that shit. So I, I just asked the gig boss there. Uh, you know, Rick, I can you have a Fender bass waiting for me in this? man named Dave had a fender for me. Nice. And, yeah, Rick is a sweetheart. He's hosted us up there several times. He's a really good guy. Yeah, really good cat. And uh, this D- D- Dave cat too, man. It had fucking flats on it. It was like playing pipes. <laughs> Not just flats, but like heavy flats. It must have been like 110s or something. Wow. Or something. Yeah, I'm not yeah. used to the flats. I like the rounds myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The trip, just the, the texture, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so my education, again, to reiterate, because you told us last hour, but this is a, a side project that you've started on your own, right? No, no, no. This is a, a pre. This they uh, the band has actually been together since two thousand, but oh, I didn't shit. join two thousand and six. Oh, that's uh, right, that's right. Yeah, I fucked yeah. Up. Um, I was I'm the second of sound mass. 
I'm the second bass player. Yeah, sound mass thing was a yeah, yeah, outgrowth yeah. of my education. Yeah, no. But, uh, what yeah, about like movie. I wish I, um, I wish I knew after John Coltrane's song, the Ignatius Tellus, electronics. When, when did that happen, or did were you always involved with that, and not just bass playing? That is um, me and Bob Bechtel. Uh, Bob plays synthesizer and electronics for SD37 uh, now and was in the Elegant Doormats way back then. Just a friend of mine for a really long time. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's more experimental noise, electronic stuff, but um, we've been doing it sporadically since 87. The ver- the sessions for the very first Ignatius Tellus cassette is actually kind of what made SD37 happen because we would have these four-track parties where we would just all get together over at uh, John Foxworth's house and just play with the four track, you know, just put different things on different tracks and see what we could come up with. Uh, a lot of fun. Four track cassettes. I'm a huge supporter still. Yeah. Yeah. But not using the bass. Uh, some, some of it, some of it. Yes. Some of it. No, okay. depending. Okay. Cause, uh, I wonder if how one informs the other or do that. Are they parallel universes? Oh yeah. Kind of parallel universes. I mean, the stuff I do on keyboards is pretty rudimentary and then we'll do weird things like, uh, we have a song where we duet on stylophones, oh. <laughs> you know what, uh, those, those little electronic things with the, uh, styluses that you play. Those are, those are fun. You know, we've uh, got this thing here, mini pops. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with them at all? No, but I want to play that dead dog dad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then you can like...
Pedro Show Last Music for this edition. Many pops start off that show. Dat Dead Dog Dad. Then Jesse going with Is There a Bomb in Gilead for George Floyd? And then ST30. That's from uh, Brett Goodzite up there in Milwaukee with his uh, Build a Better, better Building a Better uh, Tomorrow. 
Future something. <laughs> it's a compilation with all kinds of great music. And cool. He, he's yeah. People like that, right? Doers. There's something out. I mean, there's the, the windbags, and then there's the doers. And yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> one one has a little more lasting power. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> and then finally, ST37, a huge, rare cheese. Okay, so did the record just come out, or is it coming out? Uh, our the new SG thirty seven record is out. Uh, the cassette came out a couple of months ago. The CD just came out the other day. Um, we're playing the release show on uh, December. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Duh. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find out about it on the internet? Oh, uh, you know, Bandcamp, uh, uh, Pariah Child. So uh, would, it be, would, would it be st37.bandcamp.com? Um, yeah, I think that's right. st37.bandcamp.com. That's okay. correct. Because I want people to check it out. It's incredible. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and was it, it was recorded all these jams during the situation. And then one correct. song from the, the oldest member besides yourself. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of a document. I, I, I'm so glad we got that. Like some people at gigs, you know, I remember the Angel Jazz Festival I did in October. They said, take your mask off for the picture. What? I said, no, I, I want this to be a document of this time. <laughs> yeah. When I yeah. see that picture, <laughs> I don't want to pretend that, that that shit wasn't going on because fuck. So in a way, this album, right, it's kind of a document. And you were saying something about being, feeling like a rocket ship. Yeah. Up and ready to blast off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just from, uh, you know, uh, pent up frustration, just being cooped up and getting to kind of get out and play, uh, with my friends was, uh, such a relief and such a, a release as well as a relief. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. really played well. And people still be careful. Like the guest PBK was supposed to be on this Friday. His whole family's sick with this shit. He can't do the spiel. Oh. Well, we'll, we'll do it again in January. And, oh, that sucks. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So we just got to be prepared. I got my third one a couple of days ago. And, you know, we got to get to, together on this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would yeah. be just a little that would be good. scattered, that would be diluted. Good. Yeah. And then we, yeah, you I, know, I've been boosted. I wish everybody else would. You know what I'm saying? I think it's got to be kind of like that. It's not really an issue of uh, whatever, like whether you like A1 sauce or ketchup <laughs> and mayonnaise. Or, you know. right. um, let me ask you this about it. Uh, are you guys going to do a little tour? Um, we don't have any plans to tour right now. We're actually waiting on, uh, acid mothers. We were supposed to do, uh, oh. the acid mothers tour in 2020 and we did it in 2015. We we're supposed to do it again in 2020, but as you know, yes, things happened. Right. I, I got to record with, uh, Scotty Irvin. He just oh, had awesome. a bunch of drum stuff yeah. and then oh, he yeah. sent it to Makoto Kawabata right. over there in, uh, Nara. He's near Nara, right? I'm yeah. An old man yeah. who lives on a mountain. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great cat and, and i'm gonna see yeah. what's gonna come out of it you know again the situation you know but just bringing the tracks together and okay so and where's this gig at tomorrow night uh a club called the lost well over on the east side here in austin really okay. old school uh rock and roll bar i love it the lost well people go see the st37 album release party yeah a <laughs> and uh your next plan um, we are going to keep working on this Ballard stuff. Um, I want to go back in the studio. We're almost, uh, we're almost done with the second half of it. I want to go back into the studio and do that. Uh, my education record just got mastered, um, and should be out within a month or two. We're working on the art now. 
Um, so yeah, that's it. Please flow that so I can play it on the show when it comes. Okay. And yeah, tunes inspired by Mr. Ballard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like books informing my stuff too. It's it's hard to rip off the licks too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Got another level of abstraction. Big honor yeah. to have you aboard, Scott. Thank you so much. Thanks. True. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. People, it's been December 15, 2021. Just walk Peter, so keep your powder dry.